Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie and Michael Russo. Um, today, it's just going to be Jackie and I. We're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, relationships, um, about culture, about the importance of investing in your internal team and um, getting everybody on the same page through messaging and how important that is to building a strong and powerful brand. Good job, Michael. I think they're really going to enjoy that. That's good stuff. Don't don't be don't be don't belittle me. No, I'm uplifting so, you're, you. You're patronizing me. I am not, but good use of the word patronizing. I am not. Um, I was going to tell you that it's Jackie and me, not Jackie and I, but otherwise that was great. What am I to do? Don't say just Jackie, like that's less than enough. It's 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 more than enough for the moment. Um, but we don't have a guest, is the point, right? Right. So we are the guest, and we're going to be sharing our vast knowledge of all things branding with our um, listener. Oh, wait, the singular, me... Was the singular on purpose, our listener? Uh, I had the wrong microphone. Does that sound better now? You sound the same. Does that sound the same? You do. You sure? I'm very sure. All right. Does this sound good? Yes. All right. All right. Start us off. No, no. We're 12 minutes in. You have started us. This is it. All right. We're talking about, we kind of were debating just now for some time, actually, what we're going to talk about today. And we came up with several things. And a lot of it was dealing with clients and relationships and you know, not just with us and, and our clients, our, our agency and clients, but everybody has relationships in business, right? And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're volatile, sometimes they're um, personal. I mean, you really get to know your clients and um, you become uh, involved with them. And unfortunately, there's there's the times when relationships end, right? I mean, uh, I think it was a quote from Cocktail with uh, Tom Cruise, which I know we both love. And he says, um, she says, he says it's over. And she says, why it's over? And, you know, I don't want it to end badly. And he says, it always ends badly or it doesn't end. There was a quote like from that, but I thought it was really, really interesting because why do things end? Sometimes they end because they have to, sometimes they end because, you know, any number of reasons, but generally it's not the greatest of things. So, you know, how do you deal with that? I am fine when it ends. Doesn't bother me. Not sad about it. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Let's wrap it up and move on. Okay. That's no, not always. That's not entirely true. Can you name in our 23-year history a time when a client has left us and I have said, oh, man, I want to have them back? Well, I mean... Obviously, it's, it hurts your, your pocketbook. I mean, they're oh, paying, yeah. helping you pay bills, so that's a problem. Well, except that if we've done it right, we've replaced them before they're gone. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm on the opposite side of that. I, I think I every client, even, even the ones that were difficult or we didn't really see eye to eye, um, most of them, I there's a little bit of, of hurt with that because, you know, you put yourself, you involve yourself into it, you know, and... Um, to say we're not emotionally attached to the work we do would be not not completely honest. I think there's a difference between the work that we do and the people that we do the work for. Do you think that the work that the relationship ends because of the work or the people? 
Uh, usually the people. Right. 99% of the time, it's the people. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I wish that it was somehow, but I mean, you invest your time in them, you invest in their success, and your work is part of, of what they do, right? And so now you're no longer involved. Somebody else is taking over or replacing you, and, and that's kind of, a, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like that. Well, yeah, because you're a serial monogamist. Yes, I like I like to I like the attachments. Yes, but you know the average life of an agency client relationship is what eighteen months these days. Well, we, I don't know if we should be talking about that because if one of them listened to that, they could be like, "All right, time's up. We should be moving on now." But that's the thing is, if they think that, then it's not a good fit anymore, and time is up. That's true. That's but true. the clients and, and that we have right now aren't going to hear that and think good time to go they're going to be like good hopefully the rest of them go because i just want the agency all to myself because it's a great relationship yeah and we're, and we're very fortunate we have some really good ones right now really good ones um we, i just got back from a trip to philadelphia where i was i guess embedded with um one of our our clients and um for their annual like leadership retreat and we got to go up there for a week and um spend time with their leadership team and talk with them and interview them and, and just kind of participate really be a fly on the wall a lot and the fact that they were invested enough to bring us up there for that i mean we, we did work and we got good content to use for their marketing but at the same time we really got to spend time with them and um and get to know them on a different level and um and we, it's not the first time we've done that with them and it's really um a special relationship because of that right well and you know i think it's interesting um how great a time y'all had and how much fun y'all had and all the great things you got to do you, know, you think there was something missing from that trip, Michael? <laughs> you normally take the trips. There we so go. Yes. The fact the fact that you didn't go was was sad. Yes, you were missed. But um, thank you. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, like I said, it was one of those. It reminded me of like um, uh, another Tom Cruise movie, um, Jerry Maguire. At the end, whenever um, at the very end, when he hugs the agent and he's you know happy for his success, right? For Rod, he did really good in the game. And the other agent looks over, uh, the other athlete looks at his agent and says, how come you don't do that for me? And he tries to hug him. He's like, stop, just stop, right? And right. I, I think of that like other, you know, looking around and they're like, you know, man, I want that relationship. I want to be that invested. I want to have that kind of commitment, you know? And we have like four or five that are really like that right now, that are really engaged with us and they allow us to do our job. They're also committed to the time. Um, they, they're, they don't just, you know, they don't just sit back and say, do what you want. They're providing insight and feedback and it's a, it's a true collaboration. Um, and that's what makes it work. That's what makes the work better, um, more effective. Um, and it's, it's more real. We're not just pretending to be on the outside doing, doing things. We're actually know their voice because we helped form it, you know, and their tone and their language and, um, and kind of in the trenches with them, you know, the good, the bad right. and the ugly. Well, and I think I think the interesting thing to note is, first of all, it's more than five. Um, second of all, I think that it starts with us having a real good understanding of which clients are good fits and also a really good understanding of who we are. Um, and I think as we've leaned into our core strengths and been more authentic and more real and people really get to know us, then we get to know them and we know pretty quickly this is a good match or this is not. And when it's not a good match, you know, 
we want to get out of it as quickly as possible because it's not going to become a good na- match. If there's no trust, if um, there's no uh, collaboration, like you talked about, then we shouldn't spend our time on it. It's not a good relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think over time we, we've, we've figured ourselves out too, you know, and who we are. Like we're not a, um, I remember early on there was a, um, it was like a, uh, like we're not we're not the kind of company that um is gonna wine and dine someone. You know, it's just not our style, right? We're not gonna Correct. take you to dinner and we're not gonna smooze you and um buy you a bunch of things. It's it's like this is who we are and we're offering this service and either you like us or you don't. And I think early on we lost out a lot on that because we weren't the prettiest girl in the room or we didn't have the most um accolades, you know. Um but over time I think we started to prove ourselves and, and what we were about and and I think you and your team did a really good job of conveying that in meetings and letting people know what we were about and what we brought to the table. Right. Well, that's the thing is, I don't think we've ever lost business because of the work. The work has always been great. You and your team have always done a fantastic job with that. But I think that the relationship wasn't right. There wasn't the trust or the um, mutually agreed understanding of what needed to be done and what we would accomplish together and what the expected results should be. And so expectations weren't right-sized. And I think we do a much better job of that now. And I think that's led to longer, happier, better successes with our clients. Well, and speaking of that, let me put it back on you and say, okay, so you you run an agency. Um, Sometimes. Yes. Uh, for, for a while now, you, you've established, you have a decent-sized team and you know you do a lot of good work. What other, so we look at it as our relationships with our clients, right? But in your circle, do you have any relationships like that with your accountants, with your bankers, with your um, exterminator, all the people that that service us, you know what I'm saying? They have those same relationships with us, but have they gone to that level to be connected to us on an emotional level? You know, I mean, so if we talk about it from a business practical standpoint, does this, does this roll into other businesses as well? Not not just the agency client relationship. So are you asking me that question in my real world? Or are you asking our listener singular um, of their relationship in their world? Well, I'm asking you, I mean, because, okay. you know, well then I'm going to bring up the story that I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet of a local company that we have been a loyal customer of for 20 years. And as you know, they recently fired us and it came as quite the shock because we found a better price years ago, but we didn't change. We found somebody who actually provided a better service. We didn't change, but loyal, right? Loyal. And so then when they found out that of the six different things that we were doing with them, one thing we were now doing with someone else, they said, well, then if we can't have all six, we don't want any. And I think I'm still smarting about it since I'm still talking about it. Um, and so it's it's disappointing to me when either way the loyalty becomes imbalanced and when one party is loyal even when it doesn't make sense to be and the other party then doesn't i just i that is a real jarring to me and so i think it's always about making sure the relationship is right sized and balanced in that everybody's giving and getting what they need from it 
Well, and it absolutely matters. You know, I mean, the other day you you told me we had um we've had our ups and downs with AC repair people, right? Fact. And and recently somebody came in and they kind of did what they said they were going to do. They showed up. They were pleasant. They were on top of it. They were doing things without us having to go nag them. Like they they had the answers before we had to even asked them. Like they were reading our minds, right? Yeah. And basically just doing their job. And you made a point to bring that up to me and how many other people, I don't know, you've talked to since then, right? I mean, you've probably talked about them over and over again. I can't wait. I cannot wait for someone to even mention the word air so I can promote this company and send as much business to them as possible. And right. So that is, that is for all the things that we do, that is branding. That is something that you can't buy. I mean, it's, it's the advocacy portion, you know, loyalty and advocacy. And if you can do that just from your service alone, just if you take the attention to get to know your clients, to be invested. And we, everybody says, you know, we have the best service. We promote good service. It's like, put up or shut up. You know, I mean, not everybody really does that and, or has the control of it. They don't have their culture. Like maybe the owner believes that, but Five steps down, the guy that's on the on the on the scene in on the trenches is not doesn't have that same belief system, right? He has Correct. done a poor job of educating his team, of training them, of making sure that they're in the same philosophies to where they're carrying that banner every day, and those things matter. And and it's and the bigger bigger you get, like right now, you know, we we deal with a lot of big companies with lots of employees across a big geographic footprint. It's hard. I get it to do that. And and we, we we're dealing with that right now with companies. How do we we spend most of our time dealing with culture and, and growth and, and communication and messaging? And it's internal more than external. I mean, the marketing is, is one thing. And that's really the easy part. Internal stuff is really tough. I mean, you got to be invested in that. You got to spend time on it. You got to work at it. Correct. And so it's interesting that we wanted to, when we started talking about relationships and the relationships with our clients and establishing that good path, we talked about other things around culture. And so to me, it just keeps coming back to um, the opportunity for building culture because brands are built from the inside out. And so if you're going to build your culture internally, you're going to build your brand internally. And so I think that starts with maybe the work we've been doing lately for our culture and how we're helping our clients do that. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I, I applaud you for doing that. And we've brought in people to help with that. Um, I mean, I, I think five of our last 10 podcast guests have been people talking about culture and, and growth and internal things. It's obviously going on right now because the market is demanding it. People are demanding it. Um, a different workforce, a different need from that workforce. But at the same time, being able to take the time to pass on that information. It starts with knowing, I guess what I'm getting to, I'm rambling, but it starts with knowing who you are, right? Knowing what your messaging is. Like this is our core values, right? And that that, that word's used so much, you know, our core values and I'm gonna make a poster about it. And, and nine out of 10 times, it's just stuff you would find in a, in a marketing poster. Let's all row together or whatever the hell it may be that week, you know? When you really go in and define them and make them your own and start to really, you know, assess yourself and, and your own value. Um, how is anybody else going to know that if you don't know it yourself, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so it's back to knowing who you are and what you're about and how those pieces work together. I feel like there's so many opportunities for companies to step up and build culture in their company. And yet most of them are missing that opportunity. They aren't taking the steps necessary to invest back in their people. 
and I'm I'm going to read a, the statistics that I got the other day that I just think are mind blowing in terms of how much professional development and reinvesting in employees matters when it comes to retention and recruitment. So these statistics, um, 69% um, when, when a company reinvests in the employee and, and invests directly into professional development, okay? 69% of employees are less likely to search for a new job. Three times are more likely to be engaged at work. 71% less likely to report experiencing burnout. 36% more likely to be thriving in their overall lives and five times more likely to strongly advocate for their company as a place for work. And so this comes from uh, Modern Health is the source. So you're talking about systematically over and over and over again, we're seeing that companies who invest in professional development, invest in their team, invest in the culture, the recruitment and retention battle is won long before we run an ad or post a job on the job board. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more than, I think of not trying, I think it's trying and not really trying, you know, there's people that, that want to put lipstick on it or say, Hey, we're making an effort and we're writing this thing or this thing or whatever. Um, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, we're in Philadelphia with a client and they had their entire national team there. And I was really blown away because, you know, it's we knew them already and we knew that they were they were people that we liked. We liked how they did yeah. business. I mean, long time client, know. years, years and yeah. years we've been working for them. But I, I sat in on some of their internal meetings um, and I watched the COO come in and sit down with people that were, you know, a year in, you know, and, and really engage and really listen. And it wasn't just, Hey, let's all rah, rah team building, you know, like th there was an actual commitment. And I saw the room shift at times, you know, like the, where people were maybe off put a little bit or nervous around them. And all of a sudden they became very equal, you know, and as far as communicating and talking and sharing and that kind of thing. And it was just impressive, you know, they, they, this particular company does a lot of really heavy lifting stuff and um, they took the time out and, and invested in the opportunity to to bring everybody together, you know, and and hopefully hopefully that is the steps that you take to not just keep people around, but have them invested in the end product, you know, to have them talk as if it's their company and, and have that full on accountability to, to their clients, you know. Exactly. And and the thing that I think is fascinating is when we talk about relationships and we talk about how to build those relationships and make those connections, just like um, agency to client, you're talking about company to employee. Where is that investment? Where is that relationship built? Where's that collaboration occurring? And it doesn't matter if you're in professional services, manufacturing or retail. There's always this opportunity to do it the right way. And so at this point, companies who have never really paid attention to that stuff, thought those were soft skills, thought those were things that didn't really matter. If they are constantly looking for new employees, uh, constantly frustrated that they're not growing the way they want to, it's got to start within. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we struggle with that here as well. I mean, you, you and I run this agency and um, I handle the creative side, you handle the strategy side. We, you know, we, and we have, it goes 
our particular org chart is circular. We, we talk about that a lot. You and I are in kind of the middle and everybody kind of orbits around that. And you and I are, are working partners. We're, we're, we're doing the grunt work and legwork. We're involved with every client at some point, you know, um, which is how we want to do things. But at the same time for big companies, I see the same problem is, you know, if you have this one juggernaut leader, you know, that's almost polarizing, you know, and the rest of the team gets swallowed up underneath them and they never get their own identity. They never get their own individual branding, so to speak, um, to stand out on their own. And that is a problem too, because you can only grow so much like that. You know, you, you're limited by that. You're limited by the, the ability of your staff to execute and deliver on what you can do. And it'll never be what you provide because, you know, there's a reason why you're where you are and you have experience that you have. But how do you get people to buy into that, you know, buy into that. I want to, I want to represent that in what I do. I want to speak the language. I want to walk the walk, talk the talk, you know? Right. And, and I think that it comes down to, as always, beginning with the end in mind, what kind of brand do you want to build? What kind of business do you want to have? What kind of growth do you want to experience? And those are intentional choices. I see so many businesses who don't act intentionally in that way. And it's sort of reactionary instead of proactive. And I think that's where the the missing piece ends up happening. If you, if you aren't going to start with a plan and be strategic in that planning and really map out the steps, nobody eats the elephant in one bite. It's got to be baby steps um, or carrot or any vegetable of your choice for the um, people who don't eat meat. And so how are you going to... Um, put all those pieces together in an intentional way, then you're going to get what you get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's funny though. Cause I mean, you know, of, of the gamut of what we do nowadays, um, if you're not familiar for those at home listening, um, we have a thing called Razor branding. It is a, um, a brand assessment or a um, brand plan that we put together for clients. And usually it's the first step. And it's a six day week process where we do a lot of research. We get to know them. We get to know their customers, their competition, and because, you know, for us, it matters, our, our, our solutions won't matter if we don't know the problems, you know, and we have to figure out where the, where the roadblocks are, where the obstacles are for growth. And um, more and more, we get pointed back to internal issues, you know, and, and things that, and we're not a human resources company. We're not a, um, you know, that's not our thing, but, but it's very easy to point out. It's very easy to see where the problems are and where we come in, what we help with is helping to unify messaging, helping to unify the vision, helping to unify the voice behind the messaging. And that was really important. I mean, you can't get on board unless you have that established. We had a meeting this morning, we were talking about that. Um, those things are essential. And one of the people in the room was like, well, yeah, we could do it without that. And then look, thankfully somebody else in the room was like, no, we can't, you know, that, that <laughs> this is important. We have to do this step, you know? And um, cause if, if, if you try to just, ramrod it in and say, yeah, we're just going to tell people how to think. It's not going to work. Just like with a brand, right? It's an emotional connection. You can't tell people what to think. You can't, they're going to define your brand, you know, and, right. and more than anybody, your employees are going to define your brand. And if they're not uh, pre speaking highly of you, then as a problem, you know, and I can't say that everybody here is all love Russo, you know, but I, I hope they are at least. And to some degree, um, we've had obstacles in the past from bad hiring experiences where we have um, not done our due diligence maybe and, and brought on people without kind of going through the steps in the process. But I think right now we have a pretty solid group that that is, you know, have the buy-in that we need to kind of move forward. 
Well, and I would add to that and say, yes, we we are recruiting better. We're identifying better candidates that are better fit in a match. And we're taking that extra step of reinvesting in the team, of providing ongoing de- professional development, of providing more opportunities for team collaboration. Do I think every person in this building will still be in this building in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? No, I probably won't be here in 20 years. Um, but what I do think is we're putting a process in place to better recruit, better train, and better retain the people. And I hear from companies all the time, Michael, it's, it's shocking to me the number of times a week I hear somebody say this, why would I spend money on an employee training them up just so that they'll leave? And I, I just think, did, did you not hear what you just said? So you want to not make them smarter and not make them better so that you can have less smart, less better people in your employment? That makes no sense to me. It's very dysfunctional. I mean, oh my gosh, because if you spend the time and the money to make them better and they stay, win-win. If you spend the time and make them better and they leave, okay, go do that for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've kind of changed my spiel on that too. I mean, I was probably yes. one of those people at some point. You were. But, um, it took a while, but I got you there. Well, you know, again, it, it sucks when people leave. You know, it's like you, you invest no, in them and you like good. them. And it's I, well, good. You didn't marry them. There's only one employee that is legally bound to you until death. The rest yes. of them are free to go. Well, and again, I, I again, past tense. I, I was kind of under that 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 persuasion um, because, you know, yeah, it's like if you're leaving, then you're like you're like dead to me. I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm I'm cutting you loose. Oh yeah, we have all seen you do it, shutting you down. But yep. I've changed a lot. I mean, I've talked to. I remember talking to one of our, our younger designers we just hired, and um, Ari, if she ever listens to this, and I and I, but I, but I told her, I said, you know, um, I said, look, I don't know, you know, if two years from now you decide you want to move home or you want to change jobs or you want to change careers or you want to move somewhere else then that's great. I hope you leave here better than when you started. I hope that we that we put the right engine in you to, that that you're going to be prepared to go to something else and do something great, you know. Correct. Uh, I want this to be a good experience, you know, however long it lasts. If you happen to be here for 20 years, then all the better. You know, I would love for that to happen too, but I don't expect it not in today's culture. It just doesn't happen too often, you know. Um people aren't collecting gold watches for 20-year retirement plans, you know, it just it doesn't happen, especially in our industry. Correct. You know, and it's interesting. Um, I think the cross-pollination makes the company, the work, and the industry better. I think that having someone stay in one place for 40 years probably isn't healthy all the way around because you don't learn new things. You can only learn what you know. And But by moving to different places, you're able to learn more. Now, listen, I'm thrilled that we have people who've been in this company for 10, 12 22 years. I think that's awesome. Um, but I think that when we get people fresh out of school, great, but we're only going to get them to a certain point. And if they want to continue to grow and learn beyond that, they either have to do it from here where they're doing professional development, reading, taking classes, going to learn and do new things, or they stagnate. And so I don't want anybody stagnant. I want them to be able to grow. Yeah. You know, we are not trees. We can move. We have to bloom where we're planted, but also be prepared to replant and be transferred into a new bed when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, all that comes down to is, you know, how do you cultivate relationships? How do you build them? How do you nurture them um, with clients, with um, vendors, with partners? I mean, that all that has to do with each other. I mean, the old school of, of business, my dad's days of business when he was in sales was, you know, it's all about the handshake and the relationship and you know, I'm going to take you to lunch and I'm going to do this and do that. And, and it still goes on, you know, um, I think every business is still relationship based a lot. You know, you want to do work with people that you like, you want to do work with people that you can trust. You know, th those are all important factors, I think, in making business decisions. Do you disagree? No, I think they are important. Um, I think that the the thought that business is still done by handshake, that has changed. I think that in the 20 years um, from when it was still um, predominant to now, I think we've seen a shift. I think relationships are still important. I think that having a network is still important. I think networking to acquire new connections is important. But I do not think in this day and age, it's the same old sales practice of, you know, dropping off some biscuits and shaking some hands and getting some deals. It, it, we've just gone corporate. There's very few businesses that can afford to still work that way. Yeah. Um, you brought up your dad, so that gives me free reign to talk about him. So um, for the listener uh, who doesn't know, Michael and I uh, take his parents to dinner once a month. It was a Christmas present that we started three years ago that we now just keep renewing. And I am positive it is more of a gift to us than it is to them every month that it happens. It's awesome. Um, and so this most recent month when we went, we um, I don't think intentionally, I think sort of accidentally shared with Michael's dad um, our new office uh, policy of closing on Fridays and having a four day work week. Michael, would you say that his head exploded, that steam came out of his ears, he lost his shit? Which one of those phrases would you like to attribute to his reaction to our failures as business people by introducing this practice? It was pretty, yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, he just couldn't quite wrap his head around it. Just, no. I mean, and I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it, to be honest with you. But um, so far, it seems to be working pretty good. Um, we'll see yes. how, how we move into the next, you know. Time, okay, so. so we've just finished the second month of it, and so far it's working great. Uh, but it was interesting to hear his concerns. Um, well, that's not how we did it in my day. Um, that's not normal. Um, so change. Okay, I get it. Change is hard, so I had to let him get through that. And then he said, what about an emergency? And I was like, what advertising emergency? If, if we've done our job right, if we've been proactive, if we've planned ahead, what emergency could happen on a Friday? And if we treat Friday like a Saturday and a Sunday, would I expect somebody to take a call on Sunday for advertising? And his theory is, yes, it should be seven days a week. And I was like, well, it's not. <laughs> um, and so the funniest part, though, is when he said, what if somebody calls and wants to meet with you on Friday morning? I said, then I would suggest a Monday through Thursday day and time. And he said, but what if they need to meet with you on Friday at 10? And I said, okay, what if they need to meet with you on Wednesday at 10? And I already have a meeting with a different client on Wednesday at 10 or a doctor's appointment, or I'm speaking um, at a, an, an engagement. Somebody's hired me to come and talk to their organization. And that flummoxed him. It was just like, it was mind boggling to him that we weren't available 24 seven. And so I think that's another shift we've seen in our industry. And I, I don't think I even realize how much it's changed over the years that this work-life balance, this work-life integration is necessary for mental health. And it's necessary for, to be better at our jobs. We are not 
widget makers. We are creative entities. We are craftsmen, craftspeople, and we need downtime to recharge and re- recharge and rejuvenate and get smarter for the uptime. And and I'm glad that at least our world has changed in that way, even if not everybody else's world has. True, true, true. So where do right. we go from here? Well, I think the next thing that we wanted to talk about on our list um, was around uh, measuring success. That's a tough one. I mean, it's easier. It's easy in some ways if you're following analytics and if you want to see growth in certain areas or certain clicks or certain visits or certain sales, the numbers are always there, right? Um, right. It's hard sometimes with um, when you're trying to work on your on your overall brand brand perception because sometimes it can't be narrowed down to one specific thing. You know, um, where do you put that in? Like, I mean, I remember once you said this, somebody had come in and said, "Oh, I heard your radio spot," and you're like, "Well, we weren't running any radio," you know, and it, you know, but they swear by it, right? Yes. And so sometimes you can't always point back to the one thing. Sometimes it's a series of things and how people process that information and. And how do you measure that kind of success as a whole? Right. You know, I, I know exactly the thing you're talking about. And they argued with me, I mean, for the longest time. And probably if I ran into that person on the street today, they would still be arguing. And I'm thinking, I, I'm i the media buyer. I know exactly what we placed. We had not run radio for years. So I love that you think you heard a radio spot from this client, but you didn't. It just physically is not possible that you would have heard one. Uh, and so I think that it's, Um, The new technologies and the new tools allow us a better opportunity than ever before to track what is and is not working. Um, And there's so many things that were lacking in the old days with some forms of traditional where we couldn't track it. And now we can track. I mean, everything can be tracked. And so I love that. I think that we should all be results oriented. Branding feels a little vague sometimes and a little general and people don't always know what their brand is or how to measure it. But if you're not measuring with an end goal result in mind and measuring each and every step along the way to get to that goal, how do you know that you succeeded? How do you know that it worked? What does worked look like? Is it an one X increase, five X increase, 150% ROI? What is success? And so I, I think that needs to be determined. Um, there's some things that have to happen day in, day out just because they have to happen. But then on top of that are opportunities for growth. And, and those need to be a central focal point of every campaign. But even if you talk about investing in your staff, like we were earlier, you know, um, where is the measuring of success with that? I mean, you can say it's by retention. You can say it's by a number of factors, but there's something to be said about just overall happiness, you know, um, contentment with and happiness at your job. And yeah. uh, there's a, a feeling that comes with that, that it's, it's hard to, just, you know, you can, you can tell, you can tell, like when we take on meetings or, you know, you know, right away, if, if what they're saying is just surface or if it's genuine, you know, and, and, and if not, you find out soon enough after we do interviews and tests and all these different things, you find out that maybe it's not as good as it looks on the outside, you know, and generally you can feel it. I mean, it's so hard to describe, but 
the product suffers no matter what it is. It suffers if, if all the cogs aren't working together, you know? Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And I think you can measure it. I think there's a number of ways to measure it around retention, sure, around um, the willingness of people to take part in it, around their uh, feeling after it's done, um, some satisfaction surveys and some other things. I don't think everything's measured equally. They have different opportunities for measurement and different weight. Uh, but at the end of the day, the thing we pay attention to is the thing that that improves. And so that's what we have to pay attention to. We have to pay attention to results and we have to pay attention to growth and we have to pay attention to um, success. And so as an agency that's um, intrinsically tied to our client's success, it's very important to me that they be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I see that all the time. I mean, we, you know, it sounds so, the fact that I'm even going to say this, I want to shoot myself, but it's like, you know, we really care, but I mean, <laughs> there has to be an element of that where you, where you give a shit, you know, like I, I care about the results. I care that this well, is successful. No, no, no. But listen to what you just said to say, we care is one thing to say, we care about results. That's tangible and trackable. Yeah. I mean, those are two different things. One is generic and feels like marketing talk. The other one is specific and feels like somebody who's got their butt on the line on my success. That's the one I want to be. Yeah. And, it, you know, even go, go full circle all the way back to when, you know, things don't work out with the relationships and clients and things like that and vendors and all that stuff. It's never easy. I mean, the, the, I know, you know, you can turn the page and move on, but at the same time, I go into every project thinking that, you know what, we're, we're going to make this right. We're going to, we're going to solve the problem. We're going to do good. We're going to do right. You know? And when it doesn't work out, there's a sense of what could we have done differently, you know, and how could we have done something to make it better, you know, and that just sticks with me. You know, it's hard to move on past that. Sure. And and I get that. And I don't enter into it lightly and I'm not um, cavalier about it, but at the same time, I'm not um, naive when it comes to the knowledge that every relationship with every client has an expiration date just by the way the world works. Um, you know, I, I have heard of one agency that has withstood 85 years with one same client. That's, you know why I've heard of the one? Because there's only the one. I mean, that's just remarkable because you, you realize there's not the same one person working on the account the whole 85 years on either side. And so that's either the best written contract of all time and that lawyer should get a raise or that's really clear expectations and execution through generations of leadership and change on both sides. And that's impressive. So assuming that I won't be here for 85 years, then my job is to make sure that every day we do the best we can do to get the best results to our clients. And then we communicate that the best we can. Um, and that they are, um, they trust us and they want to collaborate with us and that we all know how to define success. And I think when you do that, the relationship is going to last as long as it's going to last. And so I can be um, prepared so that if it's a mismatched, I'm glad they're gone early. Let's figure it out quick and be done with it. And if it's matched and we're all aligned, then it's going to last a long time. Yeah. 
No, we've been on a kind of a hot streak as far as not knock on wood. But um, I was just like the, about to say, I feel like you just jinxed us. It's like you're like talking the, about the no hitter in the middle of the no hitter. I know. But our razor branding is just like, you know, there's a moment in these processes where we kind of work big to small and then back out to big. And it, it in the middle of it all is this thing we call the promise behind the brand. And for me, it's 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 something that we've developed over the years, but it is so crucial to the success of a campaign, of a, of a branding effort, initiative. Um, and I love when we get to that point and it just, it's it's a home run. Like you see the client's eyes light up. Everybody's excited. It, it, there's an energy in it. Like, oh my God, they heard it. They get it. We're all on the same page. This is going to be really good, you know, and the excitement of that um, versus the times in the past where I remember where it just didn't. Like you get to that point and, and they were immediately pushing back and saying, no, no, no. All you hear was no in the room. And I'm not saying that we're always right, but when you feel that kind of resistance, it's not going to work out probably, you know, and it's going to be an uphill things- battle. I think I think you make a good point. And so if you look at the first, you know, wave of them and this most recent wave of them, the differences between the two are more dramatic than night and day. I don't know what can be more different than that, but that's how different they are. It's like noon to midnight. And I feel like in the beginning, we did not have a clear deliverable. So we did not set a clear expectation and we did not um properly envelop the solution with showing how we solve the math problem. Now, very clear expectation, very clear communication, lots of collaboration, and we're showing our work. So it's easier to understand and believe and see the answer when you're taken by the hand and led down the path to it. Noon and midnight, night and day. All right. Well, looks like that's about our time, Jackie. I'm going to wrap you up. <laughs> Why, thanks, Mr. Russo. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, time just flew by. It actually did, um, even though it's you took 16 minutes to get going. Uh, once we got there, I thought it was great. Cool. Um, so what's next? We have a couple other guests coming up and then we'll come back. We'll, we'll be doing these just you and I, you know, with our, our lovely banter and, um, witty conversation. Um, I believe according to Christina, she thinks people like this. And so she's scheduling us to do this every, I don't know, fourth, fifth or sixth one. Um, if our listener says, that they do not like it and they let her know that, then we're off the hook. So it really is up to you, dear listener. Um, If you want more of the Michael and Jackie show, which my kids would tell you, just come over for dinner and you'll quickly get over that theory. Um, But if you don't, let us know too, because we can just do guest, guest, guest all the time. Which has been great too. I've learned a lot and we've been really fortunate with that as well. So- Oh my gosh, we've had some remarkable guests. Just amazing. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Michael.